Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the JWB Square Scares and Prayer Show, where we give you players that you absolutely must start despite being nervous about them, some players that you should consider benching if you have other options, and then some out-of-the-bench or wave-wear flyers that you can feel comfortable playing this week. Guys, we hit on 69% of these calls last year, so despite our slow start this year, please stick with us, and we're also trying to hit 2,500 subscribers by the end of the season, so you'd be an absolute legend if you made sure while I'm playing this intro, you went down and subscribed. Welcome. You're listening to JWB Fantasy Football. Thanks for listening. All right, guys. So as always, we get started with our square players. Now, squares, these are players that you should not be taking out of your lineup. Now, they have legitimate concerns, which is why we're here to tell you you should feel comfortable starting them. But again, they're squares for a reason. They should be in your lineup. So, Tim, who is your square play of the week? It's Romeo Dobbs. And I think he's a must start. He's uh 31 overall on Fantasy Pros. But I think that he's going to hit top 24 this week. 20. Five targets the last two weeks. We chased targets. And he got, what, uh, 12 when Watson came back. So there's really no worry for me about him getting his targets. I think this this uh, Raiders defense is absolutely garbage. They are allowing 30 points to the wide receivers, which is actually only 20th overall. But <clears throat> would you 30 points you think would be deeper in. But I think that they're even going to allow more this week. I think this could be a boat race, both, both sides this week. And it probably is going to run over. Um Dubs 24% target share uh, this season. So he's definitely getting a lot of the looks, a lot of the first reads as well. And he's seventh in the red zone and targets as well, where even when he doesn't have uh, the full target share or full target amount in, in the week, you know, he's putting up touchdowns. Like if you look at week one, two touchdowns, who would just week, I think he's had three weeks of 18 or more points in full PPR. So probably around 14 and, and half point. So I think that this is a very safe option to definitely go top 24. And he could even be much higher than that. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting call. You're so right. You can't argue with 25 targets, 168 yards, and a touchdown in the last two games. Uh, the thing with Romeo Dobbs earlier in the year, going into like week three, while we maybe had some concerns, was he had eight targets and two touchdowns. So it was one of those things where he was a player who was top 24 at that point, but if you had taken away the touchdowns, he was the player to lose the most. But then the last two weeks, he's sustained that 24% team target share, as well as obviously he's elevated those numbers in that time. So I agree that until Romeo Dobbs slows down, he's an absolute must play in your lineups. Even with Christian Watson coming back, of course he got those targets. Now we still have to see exactly how Christian Watson gets integrated in the offense. He had the touchdown last week, but he only played uh, just under 50% of the snaps, but I don't think that affects Romeo Dobbs. Uh, Romeo Dobbs should be out there 80 plus percent of the snaps like we've seen in the last two weeks. So definitely optimistic about Romeo Dubs. Um, another player I'm optimistic about here is Raheem Mostert, who's my square play of the week. I have him as a top 20 option for you guys. That's where I say he's going to finish. And ECR has him right there at running back 19. The reason I'm telling you, you got to play him is I've seen a lot of discussions. Uh, even Jake on a, uh, on a show the other day had mentioned how Raheem Mostert's nothing more than an RB3 now. I'm here. Jake, I'm calling you out to say that I disagree with that take. Until we see a complete shift away from Raheem Mostert or an injury, I still think that he's a top 24 option, especially when you get a matchup like he has here against the New York Giants. The Giants are 23rd versus opposing running backs thus far on the season. And Miami, they're the biggest favorites on the week. They're favored by 12 points at home. They have the highest implied team point total at 30 points, which is ridiculous. Miami's still first overall in the NFL in points, and they have 50 more points than the team with the 10th most points. So, like, they're scoring at an elite level, an unheard of level. And then, obviously, it's skewed a little bit from the 70-point game. But even when you take that out, 
their top five teams scoring. So they are legit. This offense should continue rolling. They've averaged 177 rushing yards per game. And again, even if you take out that 70-point game, they're still top five in the NFL. So I do not fear Mosert's season low snap percentage last week in Buffalo as it was the first time Miami found themselves down multiple scores. That's not going to happen against the Giants. So I'd expect Raheem Mostert to return closer to 50% of the snaps and to get more work on the ground, similar to what he saw week three against well Denver. So 12 targets in the last two weeks. I think it's encouraging nonetheless, but the Dolphins, they're going to score on the ground this week. I don't hate projecting both him and uh, Devon Achan to get a touchdown themselves. I have both of them as top 18 plays this week. Uh, so Raheem Moser, he should still be in your lineups until we advise you otherwise. I agree. I, I just think that <clears throat> one, the season's a little bit too young still to really be making proclamations about players that have come in and had two good games. But I'm not saying that because this offense is great. So like anyone that plays that position is going to score points if they're good enough. The thing is, I just don't think that Mostert just goes away. I, and it's crazy that 12 targets the last two weeks, I think he's caught every single one of them as well. So even when he doesn't get all the rushing um, touches, he's still they want him still involved in the game. So I think that's important to kind of recognize, as well as like we, they've had such topsy-turvy games where they've been up you know, 40 points and they've, they've been down 28 points or, or 20 points at least last week. So basically there's kind of a tale of two games. And in my opinion, most are still involved in both of those. And I think once again, we're using them until we're not. And I don't think we've gotten to the point that we're even close to deciding that we're not using them anymore. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Now, guys, before we move on to our accountability section, I do have one little bonus square for you guys because I have to get in here and preach the gospel of kickers as much as I can to get you guys to come up and listen to our other shows where on our transactional tidbits, we give you a couple of kickers and defenses every single week to get ahead of the waiver wire. And then we have our special team spotlight, which comes out on Thursday mornings, which gives you the kickers and defenses streamers you can lean to after waves of clear that are both still below 55% roster ship. And well, it is my job here until he's a 55% roster to tell you to please go pick up and start Brandon Aubrey. Yes, he's going against the San Francisco 49ers this week, which are eighth best against kickers. So it's a really tough matchup, which might, you know, put managers off of him from picking him up this week. I still think you should go and pick him up. I have him as a top 12 play again this week. He's only 42% rostered. Uh, Myers and Dicker are two popular kickers in terms of rostership, and they both have the bye week this week. So I think Aubrey's that ideal replacement uh, in the 58% of leagues where he's available. And then I think he'll start you the rest of the season. Other than you know a bye week coming up, he I think he's the guy for you for the rest of the year. Now, Aubrey, he leads the league in field goals. He's yet to miss. And the nice part is, his production's been really spaced out. So this isn't after a month. Like he's had one big game and it's really boosting him up here. He's got it consistently week over week. He's been the most consistent kicker thus far. And I think that just continues this way this offense is built out. The offense has been consistent and effective. So week one, five extra points and two field goals. Week two, one extra point, five field goals. Week three, one extra point, three field goals. And week four, three extra points and three field goals. So Dallas, they are built good enough to sustained drives but they haven't quite been converting in the red zone the same that they have in years past it's led to more field goal attempts aubrey's been automatic it's a no-brainer he's a top five guy rest of the season he's you know he's a top five guy thus far into the season and the fact he's available in the majority of your leagues is just ridiculous so it's a little bonus square it's also plugging our other shows where we get into defensive and kicker talks really briefly just to give you guys the footnotes of what you need to make those calls so i just want to throw brandon aubrey out there before we continued so next, guys, we have our accountability section. As always, we'll review last week here. We want to let you guys know when we do great. 
or do poor. Obviously, I mentioned in the beginning how last year we hit on 69% of our calls. So that's a really high bar. We've never been there thus far this year. We're only at 40% this year. We're hoping to flip that as we move forward. We were confident in our plays last week, but we end up just two and five. We hit on Joe Burrow being outside uh, the top 12, which I think is just going to continue, but I didn't want to just go back there. I think it's boring, even though I would call for that probably the next couple weeks till we see it with him. Um, and Terry McLaurin hit as a top 24 guy. He snuck just inside, um, had a nice week there. Now we missed on Dalton Cade, who fell short. Jordan Addison fell short. Roshan Johnson's been a wild disappointment the last two weeks. He got hurt today, just as we are recording. And then we just missed up our call here. We said Dell was the start. Nico was the bench. Nico pops off for a league winning or a, a lineup winning week. And Dell really took a backseat. I do like going back to both those guys this week. So I don't think you need to be too nervous about Dell, especially this week. He's got a saucy little slot matchup that we like. It's what we were calling out last week for Christian Kirk. And a lot of the comments were people asking Kirk questions. And I identified why, you know, D Alfred's kind of the, the target guy there to go against because in man against the slot coverage, that's where you're going to see, uh, teams excel despite Atlanta on paper saying that they were like eighth best against wide receivers. You know, you, that's the I, that's the matchup to target in uh, against the Falcons, and that's where Dell is going to be playing this week. So I like his odds of going back and having a decent game. And then Nico, at this point, you just have to play. That's just my quick little takeaway there, guys. But we're going to keep things moving into our scare section. Now, our scare players. We're not telling you you have to bench these players. We're just telling you. Guys, they scare us this week. We're nervous about them finishing inside normal starting marks. We're going to give our case why, and then we need you to come down to the comments and let us know your other options. Because if you have other options that we prefer, you're putting them in this week, despite them normally being set and forget guys. But you know, if you don't have the options, you're not just benching them. So that's that's one thing I do want to throw out there. As always, we're not saying you have to bench these guys. We're saying you should consider looking at your other options if you have them. So Tim, who are you scared about this week? Yeah, I'm scared about Ramondre, and I understand. I, I just want to reiterate what, what you just said: is that you got to be careful about about what you're doing about sitting guys. You're just more or less we're considering because this week's really thin with bye weeks, as well as the fact that running back production's been so bad, so poor towards the back end that you might just be stuck playing these guys. But I'm going with Ramondre this week because one, let's read off his his point scores uh, the four weeks of the season <clears throat> from most recent to the first game. Five, 6.7, 13.5, and <clears throat> 11.2. So basically, <clears throat> the first two weeks he was somewhat startable, and the last two weeks he's been pretty pretty garbage. And uh, with only one touchdown on the season, I think there's not really saving him in a lot of situations. And just a little perspective, last year uh, during the season, he averaged four, uh, I'm sorry, 5.4 receptions per game, and this year he's averaging four targets per game. So I think that's a big difference that's affecting his scores. He was never a really huge um, yardage guy. He did have some big games, but most of the time he was under hundred. So I'm not, I, I was kind of looking at the, at how his performances were and I was trying to figure out exactly what was, what was different. But even this year, he hasn't hit 60 yards rushing, but the problem is he doesn't have the, re the receiving to really back it up where there were games. He was under 30, 30 yards receiving, but he had nine games last year where he had four plus uh, four, four plus receptions as well as, there was four he was above, I want to say, 59 yards in re in receiving yards as well with his rushing. So he had a lot to buoy his non-touchdown scoring weeks, where this year it's kind of not that way. Then he also goes up against New Orleans, who really, there's not really a, a team I really want to be playing against or testing against if I don't have to. So 13.1 yards allowed 
um, to the running backs this year by New Orleans, which is eighth worst, or yeah, eighth worst uh, for opponents or eighth best, depending on how you're looking at it. So they're just not a team I really want to be testing this week. And I think that if you have a better option or someone that you're even considering just based on the matchup alone, I'd run with that because we're not sure exactly how long of a leash right now Mac has because of how bad everyone's really been playing on offense. I'm not saying they should bench him, but there's been rumors as well as there's also been rumors that Zeke's going to get more playing time. So with all that being said, I would not be surprised if Ramondre scores under 10 or even around 11 and it's not good enough to make top 24. So I think he's outside the top 24 this week. And I think there are going to be some options that are going to score better than him that are ranked below him this week. Yeah, I, New Orleans is just a really tough matchup as well. I mean, he's got a couple of tough matchups stamped in there. New Orleans is a tough matchup, as we just mentioned. Buffalo in a couple of weeks. Um, so we'll have to see. He does have some bounce-back opportunities against Miami Week 8, but really it's going to be tough for Ramondre for me to expect him to get going until after his bye week. Coming out of the bye week, he gets the Giants, Chargers, and the Steelers, who are all bottom 12 to running backs thus far. So maybe that's when he turns around and gets it right. But I agree with Tim. I mean, without the receiving floor with the absurd volume he was getting a year ago, he's just not giving us that same floor that he had last year um it's kind of reminiscent of Najee Harris a little bit for me from his rookie year when he just had an absurd amount of targets he had 90 plus uh, and then you had Ramondre last year at 88 so without that type of volume he's just more or less maybe a plotter really I think Najee's it's not even a bad comp in terms of what we might get from this player uh I, I do I do have some nerves about just Ramondre completely going in that direction Real, I think the difference between these two players is Ramondre is a guy everyone was rooting for because you got him for super cheap two years ago, three years ago. And then Najee was a guy people were kind of rooting against because, again, he was a first-round pick. He did so good as a rookie. There's a lot of people on one side of the coin versus the other. And, you know, so people tend to want to root against the people who are hyped up and root for the guys who are kind of sleeper. But I think that they have a lot of similarities. So uh, I'm there with you on the call, Tim. I don't think this is the week Ramondre really crushes. Um, hopefully... Yeah. Something we saw last year too is that Ramondre really maximized like his opportunities like nearly every time. I understand that he had some games where he was under 30 yards receiving and um his like yards per reception was around like four or five in some games. But like that's basically his his like ceiling. And you know, he had a he had a 10 point a 10 yard per reception first week, but everything else has been like 3.3. So even when he's getting the receptions, there's not even like big plays behind it or the opportunity for big plays behind it. So until we start seeing that, I still think that in dynasty, I, I'd be trying to pursue him a little bit. If I, he has a couple more down weeks, it's going to be really cheap. But at this point, it's just, you're, you're stuck in a holding pattern and it's not really where you want to be with a guy like Ramondre. Yeah. We're hoping he's an RB two at some point. I don't know about him being an RB one necessarily like people were hoping coming into the year though. Mm -hmm. Um, Guys, my scare player for the week is going to be Michael Thomas. I have him outside the top 36, um, which currently he was ranked at wide receiver 35 in the expert consensus rankings on Fantasy Pros. Um, for Thomas, really, this is just a matchup call. Uh, he's been solid in target share on the season, 23%, which is 25th in the NFL. And he's actually seen 27% of the targets for his man, which is what New England runs more than most teams thus far in the season. They're at like 35%. Most teams are closer to 20%. Uh, but my reservations come mainly with his efficiency. So Thomas has a lower yards per route run, a lower air yard share versus man coverage. And thus he's only scored 20% of his points versus man coverage. Jonathan Jones is no slouch. They just signed, J they just made a move for JC Jackson to play opposite of him. So even if he switches off, he's got a good matchup. You combat that matchup with potential limitations with Derek Carr and his shoulder. 
that's where my concerns mainly lie. So in my opinion, all the pass catches here are almost better off with Jameis Winston than an injured car. All three of their wide receivers combined for just 17 points a week ago. It's not going to get it done. So for Michael Thomas, on paper, it might look like it's an okay matchup. But then when you dive into it, it's just that he's going to be facing a lot more man than he's used to. And at this point in his career, he's just not that guy to really beat the man coverage, especially when it's a respectable corner covering him who's done well against man thus far. Yeah, Derek Carr, 17 points. I think it was 17, 8, 4, and 2 fantasy points. I understand he got injured in week three. And even if he, if if we want to make the argument that he's not healthy, then he shouldn't be playing because I agree. he's not helping this offense. And then Jamison against uh, a New England defense is probably, I should say, New England uh, defense with the game plan that they're going to have against a guy like Jamis would just be horrible. I think this is an absolute sit. Um, Thomas hasn't topped 61 yards, so he's really been doing it off of volume as well. And even if you look at it, you know, six receptions and half PPR for six for 61 yards, you're only at nine points. So mm-hmm. I don't really think the ceiling's that great either. So if you're playing them, you're really hoping for a touchdown. And I don't think that's something you can even bank on with Carr because Carr's so awful in the red zone. Yeah. I mean, Thomas has been right around 10 points all year. That's just what you've gotten is right around that 10 mark, which is like wide receiver 40 to 48. So you're getting a, a mid to back wide receiver for week one, when we told you he's going to finish 30 top 36, he finished at like 37 or 38. I mean, that was his best week we've had thus far. So, this isn't the week I think that he really bounces back. We'll look down the line for that one. But we're going to keep things pushing, pushing here, guys. We're going to get into a prayer section. Now, our prayers, these are players maybe at the end of your bench or that might still be out there on your waiver wire that you can pick up and you can play in a pinch. Or maybe they're just guys you haven't felt comfortable starting all year, and we're just here to tell you, make sure they're in your lineups this week. You should feel good about it. So, Tim, who is your prayer play for the week? Yeah, if he plays, I'm going with Luke Musgrave. Once again, this is just this is a game I want a part of, and I I, I can't reiterate how much I think this Oakland Raiders defense is terrible. Besides Max Crosby, um, so Musgrave, 88 and 86 percent snap share the last two weeks. We are probably going to be touchdown hunting in this because uh, volume is going to go to Dobbs. Would be my guess, and I think that. Even if you go back and watch the Packer games, there's been so many opportunities that Musgrave has had to score a touchdown where he's been open and Love has missed them. So I I want to uh, actually say I think that they're going to connect this week in a pretty big way, and I think he he hits top 12. As well, um, La- uh, Las Vegas is 26th against tight ends in terms of points allowed, so they're really bad against tight ends. And I think that Musgrave takes advantage of this if he plays more or less. got to see if he gets out of concussion protocol. He did practice, so I think that he's close to being back and being full. But with concussions, you just never know, and you don't want to take them lightly. Yeah, I mean, so in week three against New Orleans, who is at this point in the season fourth best against tight ends, he really saw his best game. He had uh, six receptions at eight targets, 50 yards. He gave you a really solid fantasy outing there, uh, his first top 12 finish. And that brought a lot of optimism. Obviously, last week I think is a little misleading because he only played 25% of the snaps because he left with, the con- with a concussion, but he practiced in full uh, today so he should be good to go and as Tim mentioned Vegas is a tough matchup with tight ends we just play the matchup a lot of the time and Luke Musgrave should still be a part of the game plan so I don't think it's I don't think it's a bad call to put him top 12. Okay guys so for my prayers that I'm putting out this week now it might not be way down there for you on some of these names but I'm parlaying them here together because this is a week for the Jets to continue their momentum. I think that Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson, and Zach Wilson will all finish top 24 at their positions. Now, obviously, Zach Wilson is more of a super flex inclusion, uh, but you know, 
before last week, top 24, you would have laughed at me as well. He's been uh, around what quarterback 29 or later every single week in ECR. So the Broncos, who the Jets have uh, this week, they've allowed over 10 points per game, more than the second worst defense to running backs thus far. So they're the worst by a lot. They've allowed over three points per game, more than the second worst defense to quarterbacks thus far. So they're the worst by a lot. And they're 23rd versus wide receivers. So they're not good there either. So this is the momentum spot for a Jets team that still has playoff aspirations. These odds may be dire to us. We might laugh at that, but don't tell Robert Sala or Aaron Rodgers that they're not going to make the playoffs because they still have the aspirations to do so. Now, Zachary, Zach Wilson, he had slight improvements last week, uh, and he gets two soft matchups versus Denver and Philly to show something ahead of their bye week. Now, I know I said Philly is soft. They've been really soft against quarterbacks. So before anyone bites on me on that for fantasy, quarterbacks have done whatever they wanted against them and put up a lot of points. So Zach Wilson, I think, should have a good string of games here to go into their bye week uh, with a case to start there forward. Now, if he lays an egg this week, or next, we may see another guy at quarterback for week eight, which starts a three-game stretch, which is even more soft matches where they have the Giants, Chargers, and Raiders coming out of the bye week. So this should be a good stretch on paper for the Jets, uh, and I like it to start this week. Opponents have had 65.5 plays per game against Denver, which is well above league average. So with Wilson playing, sorry, Garrett Wilson, playing 95% of the snaps, 100% route participation rate, and he's currently sitting at 33% of the team targets and 35% of the team air yards. I actually like his floor. Typically, you know, the floor is what we've had problems with Garrett Wilson just because of the team's volume and the efficiency, but because of the pace of play this week, I do like Garrett Wilson's floor. Now for Brees, we obviously got some coach speak that Hall should be off of his snap count. We'll have to see if that really does come true, but What's most important is this is the optimal running back matchup. So I don't know why you bench Brees this week. As a manager who probably spent their pick four through round six on Brees Hall. So unless you've come across two to three other top 18 options at the position, I just don't necessarily see how you aren't playing Brees this week. He's top 10 in yards per touch and yards per reception. It's just been his... 35th best opportunity share that's held them up to this point. So if he gets more opportunity, I like his odds to improve. He's got a 9.4% breakaway run rate, which is top four in the league. So I like his odds to break a big one if he gets the volume that he should. He's also not limited anymore. So he should get way more, way more work than what he's been getting because he's off of snap share limitations. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was saying. Like we got the coach speak that should be off his snap count, but we'll, we'll, we'll still have to see if that's not coach speak because, of course, they said the same thing about Dalvin Cook. They said Dalvin Cook was looking faster this week and they hope to get him <laughs> more involved. So they hope to get Dalvin Cook more involved, but also Dalvin Cook is off a, you know, off the snap count, but also Michael Carter is part of the the drills. I don't, I don't know, but this should be the get right spot for Brees Hall. Even if the others are worked in, uh, I think this is the week for him to really start get going. I agree. I think that uh, you just got to play talent or talent with the opportunity, especially with the matchup and just these guys. They're they're what top seven at their position. You, you just play your studs, especially on a buy on a week with a lot of buys. It's just don't you know don't overthink it. Play your best guys. Yeah, for sure. So that does it here for this show this week, guys. Now, as I mentioned when we got started, we're hoping to get two thousand five hundred subscribers by the end of the season so definitely go down and subscribe if you enjoyed and you've stayed around this long and help us achieve that goal we really really appreciate it as for us you can find all things jw at jw underscore ff on twitter find the pin tweet there for all of our team information we're jw fantasy football on all 
platforms. There's going to be a couple of things in the description that you can find, like the link to our Discord, where conversations are going all the time. It's absolutely free. You're going to find a link to our Patreon, where you can get as many starts it answers as you want all year for less than a dollar, plus a couple other things. And then you will find a link to the Clips catalog where you can get a take on every single player. And if we don't have a take for you on whatever format you desire, you go into our Discord, you ask for it, and we will hopefully go up and get a clip for you. Um, so as we mentioned before, check out all of our shows, like, subscribe, and we will catch you guys next time.